to me, it's like an aura becoming brighter when we're all connected and we're all playing it the right way and we're all feeling it the right way. And it's just like, I think the audience can feel the energy. Mike Jeffers, ChicagoJazz.com and BluesInChicago.com, and we have a brand new Around Town, and today I am very happy to be talking with Nick Moss, uh, a friend for a long time here, and I am also happy to say that he has a brand new recording coming out, Get Your Back Into It, coming out July 14th, just before this uh, interview drops, uh, just after this interview drops, I should say. And of course, he's got a release show coming up August 18th at Fitzgerald's out there in Berwyn, 6615 Roosevelt Road. Everybody knows where Berwyn is and and Fitzgerald. So congratulations, Nick. And you've also got a special guest on the album that we should make sure we mention right off the top. Dennis Grunling is on there, the incredible harmonica player from uh, the east coast and i know that he is a uh, a big friend of yours too for a long time so let's talk a little bit about this recording this is a throwback recording to me i mean I, I i've heard you play a ton of times but this is kind of a throwback it was a lot of fun why don't you talk a little bit about putting the concept for the for the recording together initially well since dennis and i started playing together back in like 2017 and we put out our first alligator release that was uh the high cost of low living and dennis and i have are huge fans of the old school traditional style blues uh, chicago west coast jump and swing uh texas like uh, louisiana swamp blues from the 50s and 60s all that stuff is what influenced us since since we started playing this stuff so we've always tried to do that um with Lucky Guy, that was the one that won Album of the Year and Song of the Year. We won Band of the Year for that one. And But I think, like, throughout our time playing together, even with COVID, him being in L.A. and us being in Chicago, we were always still talking and, and coming up with concepts for the next recording, the next recording. And it's always traditional-based. We always want to stay true to the form. But we also wanted to dig a little deeper um, into our our influences. So this album is a pretty good mix of Chicago blues, West Coast blues, Swamp blues. There's even a little cool 60s jazz, you know, organ jazz kind of stuff in there. There's um, And then there's even one like cool like 70s, early 80s style, Phil Johnson, Jimmy Johnson type blues that we did as a tribute to both brothers, um, you know, after after Jimmy and Syl both passed away, like within a week of each other. And I kind of wanted to give a shout out and, and, and nod to what their influences meant to me besides the, the older traditional stuff, too. So there's a little bit of something for everybody on, on this album. And also... My first LP. I'm so excited. <laughs> I've never had an LP, so check that out. I, lo- I love the red, man. First of all, hold that cover up. I mean, show everybody that cover. That that cover, I will say, matches what the album sounds like. It's such a hip cover, man. And and whoever did that was awesome. So I know Alligator did that, and they did a great yeah. job with that. Kevin Nemec, he's the uh, um, he's the the the. the I should know this because my wife is a graphic designer. There we go. 
<laughs> the graphic designer, my wife's going to slap me too. All right. The graphic designer, he's done all the covers. Kevin's great. Yeah, no, that 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 came out great. And when I took a listen to it, and I told you before we came on, and I watched, looked at that cover, it really, it really matches what you're hearing. Now, the thing that I love about now, you wrote a majority of the tunes. I know Dennis wrote a couple of tunes on there too, but I mean, this is a real throwback sounding recording to me, you know. And and when you say it's, I mean, for most of it, you know, some of it you can hear, but I mean, some of that, the swing tune, the the and the way it kicks off, the bait and the snare. Uh, you know, that thing comes out and, and I'm like, oh, man, this is like a jump, kind of a jump blues kind of feel. And it was different than what I thought I was going to be listening to. I mean, how did you go about writing all these tunes? I mean, because I'm always fascinated by somebody that, you know, plays and, and writes and composes and arranges. Coming up with concepts and coming up with tunes and especially you being a, a guitarist, musician. I mean, you can come up with melodies, you can come up with different ideas, but then coming up with lyrics that match what's happening in the music. Do you just come up with ideas and you jot them down and then put it to different tunes that you've been working on? Or, I mean, how, what's your process with that? So stylistically speaking, because, because Dennis, myself and Rodrigo Montavani, my bass player, who was also the co-producer of this with us. I mean, between the three of us, the, there's a vast amount of knowledge and research that we've done since we were young men listening to this music. And in particular, Rodrigo, he's insane with this stuff. Like he knows all kinds of music, you know, not just blues, but like he's such a student of, you know, of all kinds of music. So what happens is we, we think, stylistically of one artist or one era it's like oh man i like i love that sound i love what this artist did on on this record or on this song and so i'll i might be listening to uh, uh like willie mabon i love willie mabon i've always loved his playfulness with songs and stop time kind of stuff and his storytelling so there's a song on there called It Shocks Me Out, which is actually a tribute to my, to Rodrigo, my bass player. And uh, I was like, I want to write a song that's reminiscent of a Willie Mabon tune. So I had this idea. The, that song, It Shocks Me Out, become, came from when Rodrigo moved here from Brazil. He first asked me, hey, man, I want to, I want to make sure that my English is correct. So if I ever say anything wrong... Can you just let me know that I'm saying it wrong? And I was like, well, sure, man, no problem. You, you speak pretty good English anyways. Yeah. Every now and then he would say something and I would say, no, 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 that's not how you say it. You say it like this. But there was one phrase that I would never correct and I never would tell him because I loved it. And he would always combine that knocked me out and I'm shocked into it shocks me out. <laughs> like if he likes something, he goes, man, that shocks me out. <laughs> and I loved it so much I would never correct him. <laughs> and so when I wrote the song, I finally had to tell him that's why I wrote the song. I said, and so, but he still says it, so it's great. So <laughs> that's how I came up with that concept. It was just like a little idea. I'm like, I'm gonna write a song around this, and I have stylistically speaking, it's a Willie Mabon type of groove. But all the songs are stylistic. I'm like thinking, well, I like this artist. I'd like to do something in that flavor. Um, my song titles and song ideas come from anywhere. They come from a conversation like that with Rodrigo. 
They come from watching the news or uh, on my very first CD, The High Cost of Low Living, I was we were on tour in, in West Virginia and driving past a Baptist church. And on the marquee in Baptist church, it said, there's a high cost of low living. And I was like, that's great. I'm going <laughs> to somehow that's going to be a song. Um, you know, it, it all comes from everywhere. Or Lee, which is on the new record. Um, I ran across uh, uh, a tour promoter in France when I was over there with my friend uh, uh, Kirk Fletcher, and she was a great lady. Uh, I don't know if it was the English barrier, but trying to trying to get information sometimes was hard, and she sometimes she wouldn't answer the call. She liked to do things face to face. Probably she didn't want to speak on the phone, maybe because her French w- uh, uh, was better than her English, and my <laughs> French was non-existent. So I used to say, God, Orly, she never answers my call when I would talk to Kirk. And then I was like, Orly, that's such a great name. I said, that should be a song. So I wrote a song about Orly, about this lady who we can communicate together. I said, I'm a stranger in your country. And I don't speak no French at all. Um, I don't know. It just comes from everywhere. I, I mean, I, I I love that explanation because I think a lot of people are are fascinated by that. I mean, I know I am because as a drummer, I cannot write lyrics. I can't. I've tried. It's it, it's all mashed up and stuff. But it seems to me like listening to your recordings, I mean, all of them, right? Listening to everything. You, you know, you have fun writing music a lot of times and it sounds fun. Like, I mean, you know, maybe some some are a little heavier tunes than others, but there's, there's either to your point, you're tributing somebody, but also it's fun. Right. I mean, and yeah, when, absolutely. You see, when you see you guys play, when you watch the Nick Moss band play, you guys are having fun. I mean, I've seen like, you know, a lot of hardcore guys and they're up there and they look like they're in a lot of pain and they're playing and stuff, which is great. You guys look like you're having a good time and the audience thrives off of that. And is that just because of the personalities of all of you guys in the band? And that's why it just gels so well. Yeah, I I think for certain as as I've gotten older and have been playing I mean it's it's crazy like when I have a conversation like this I got to stop and think that I've been doing this for over 30 years. And and to me it just seems like I've only been doing it for a couple minutes, you know. Uh but I love doing it, so that's why like it doesn't seem that long. Yeah. But over the years I have discovered that I would rather play with with guys that I get along with than not play with guys (laughs) that, you know, that I don't get along with. Uh, And so when you, when you have people that you're around that you enjoy being with and making music with um, and, and you hit, there's, there's a moment and you try to make it many moments or try to elongate the moment when you're on stage, when everyone has this connection, this, certain connection at one point and everybody can feel it that's when you know that the band is is having joy as a unit and it translates to the audience um i've heard a lot of people like artists and actors and 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 you know painting artists and sculptors explain like there's there's moments when everything just falls into place and that's when like everything just to me, it's like an aura becoming brighter when we're all connected and we're all playing it the right way and we're all feeling it the right way. And it's just like, I think 
the audience can feel the energy that we're feeling, you know, that's the goal, you know, just chasing it, chasing, I mean, not trying to get too heavy, but like, I guess like a drug addict chasing that first initial excitement. You're always chasing that feeling. You want to get that high. And once you hit that high as a band, then you want to get higher, right? You want to, you want to keep keep pushing. And the audience wants to also. Yeah. When they see it happening, they hear it happening. Sometimes I feel, and I'm not trying to diminish an audience's perception of things, but I don't know if an audience sometimes understands exactly, musically speaking, what is happening the way we understand that it's happening on stage, but they pick up on our energy of what we're doing and that is just as important you know you don't have to be a music scholar to understand oh wow like that guy really played that lick exactly just like charles mingus or you know but the feeling and the energy is like oh okay i get it now Mm -hmm. i mean that's how it was when i was a kid when i first heard like a bb king record my mom playing in the house was like I had this electrical buzz in my body. I didn't know what he was playing or singing about. I just heard this high falsetto voice and this singing guitar like, and I went, "What was that?" <laughs> well, it's a, it's the transference of energy from the artist to the audience that is really the key to performing and being able to play your music the way you want to play your music and have your sound and have the audience enjoy it and encourage you to continue on pushing the limits, right? I mean, that's the whole point of everything, I would say. Absolutely. And that's what we try to do every night, Dennis and I. He's like a great foil. Dennis, first of all, he looks like a neon sign. Like the brightest neon sign you've ever seen. He dresses like like he's in the WWE. I mean, <laughs> he he has this look about him already when he walks on stage. People are like, "What is? what's this guy about? Do you want to watch that guy already? And I'm not like that. I'm I'm kind of a little bit more subdued, but I like people. I'm a people person, so I like talking and I like engaging and I like. So I don't mind having someone that people are looking at. I can talk to the audience and we crack jokes all the time, and I try to get the audience engaged at my shows and talking to him and Dennis and I, you know, I think we've learned how to have a pretty symbiotic relationship on stage that way. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's become way more comfortable and more of just like, without even thinking about it, we just kind of, I don't know. We, we, we all have a, a great relationship for sure on stage when we play off the stage too. And yeah, it all goes back to being with the right guys that love the same stuff and we all get along. Yeah. How, how did you meet Dennis, like initially? Because I know he grew up, right? I mean, he came, grew up in New Jersey, <clears throat> out on the East Coast. Now he's in LA. But I mean, how did you end up meeting him initially? Piscataway, New Jersey. I won't say the name. Piscataway. Anyways, uh, when I put out my very first CD in 1998, which was First Offense, Nick Moss and the Flip First Offense. Uh, well before like the internet was a big thing, uh, I got a letter in the mail from this young guy named Dennis Greenling in New Jersey saying, Hey, I love your CD. I'm a young harmonica player. I also helped do, um, 
uh, a radio show out here. At that time, he was starting to starting to. You know, Dennis actually was a DJ for a while too. For I didn't know that. Seventeen years. Yeah, like seventeen years, he had his own show out. And I do a show and I play your music. And if you ever come out this way, I'd love to meet you. And it just so happened I was getting ready to book a tour out on the East Coast around a couple festivals that I had gotten booked on. And so I, he wrote his phone number and I called him and he hooked me up with three gigs and he came out to two of them and sat in with me. And we've been friends ever since. Yeah. And we would run across each other at shows on the East Coast and festivals. And then he started playing with Doug Deming, a guy out of Detroit. And they had a good seven-year run. Uh, and when he left Doug's band, he was kind of not doing much other than the DJing and putting out some of his own records. And at that time, I was with Mike Ledbetter was in my band, and Mike had recorded that record with Mike Welsh. And he decided that they they wanted to try it and promote that and go out. And so Mike was like, hey, man, I think I need to go do this. And I was like, okay, I, I understand, man. You know, you can't keep everybody... You know, everyone's got to find their own path. And so it was like right at that moment, Dennis called me, said, hey, man, I got this show up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We're doing a tribute to uh, William Clark, and I need a band that can back me up on that kind of stuff. And you guys are the only ones I know in the area that could do it. Can can you come up and play band? I was like, yeah. And we did this show, and uh, like the whole first set, I kept looking over at Dennis while we were playing. I was like, Man, I really miss playing with a great harmonica player because I had come up playing with great harmonica players with Madison Slim and, uh, you know, I had the great opportunity to back up Tim Wilson and, you know, back in the day played with Cotton a little bit and Junior Wells a little bit. And I love that old school stuff. So on the break, I, I, I said, Dennis, you know, Mike Ledbetter's leaving my band soon and, uh, I know that you left Doug Deming's band. You guys are, are, do you got any, what do you think about like teaming up and maybe trying to do a couple shows? And he was all for it. And after about a month, we were like, we should just, just do this. So we did it. And we've been playing together since 2017. And uh, Bruce got wind of it when we were on the blues cruise in 2017 that we were playing together and he loved that idea and uh he said if you guys are recording send me something and we did and right away he loved it and so that's how we ended up on alligator yeah well I, i'll tell you the two of you guys playing together you can tell that you've known each other for a long time and played together for a long time and on this recording get your back into it of course on alligator records coming out july 14th with the release show on august 18th at fitzgerald's nickmossband.com he just happens to have yes. a copy of it right there now before i let you go let's talk a little bit about the other guys on the on the recording because brother john's on there and then you also have a yeah, sax yeah. player on there so let's talk a little bit about that and are they going to be joining you at fitzgerald's i know dennis is coming in for that for that mm -hmm. release show well, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely try and get Brother John Katke to join us. Um uh the saxophone player Gordon Beetle, one of the greatest uh saxophone players on the planet, especially for this type of music and this genre of music. I don't think there's anyone better. There's guys I love there's Terry Hank who's always up for saxophone player award at the Blue Jigs Award. Terry's been around forever. Terry's awesome too. 
I love him, but Sax Gordon, um, that guy's just one of the best, man. Like he's a, he's a honker, still walks the bar like the old guys, and <laughs> and he's just he's a he's a pure joy to watch. He lives in Boston. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get him to come out for one show. We'll no. try. I had him out last year actually, uh, and he played at the Fitzgerald's Blues Festival last year in September with us. Um, but it will be the full band. And as you said, like making a record like this, um, definitely is a team effort and you have to have the right guys. And first and foremost, I got to mention Rodrigo. Rodrigo with, since he's joined my band, since he moved here from Brazil, he moved here in 2018. Um, he's, not only become a band member and one of my best friends, but he's, he's like a family member. He lived with me all during COVID him and his wife pretty much lived with us for two years and he's a family member, but the guy is just such an incredible musician and such a great ear and just a great input to have someone like that to help bounce ideas off of. So I can't even like tell you how great it is to have someone like that in the band so it's kind of he's like my cheat code rodrigo's my cheat code okay <laughs> uh and then we have this young drummer now that uh you know my drummer of like 13 years patrick seals he moved on you know and we're still best pals and stuff but he gave me 13 years of service man decided he wanted to try something else and we got this young kid and man he was 20 when he joined my band turned 21 in my band and uh his name is Pierce Downer, and for his first time out of the box, never recording before, never really been in a band that traveled at all, um, he sounds like a seasoned professional on this album, uh, and he gets better and better like with every gig, and even Patrick, my old drummer, comes out and sees it, he goes, I can't believe how much that kid's learned in a year. Like He goes, I can't, I, I, he goes, it's astounding. It took me five years in your band to figure out some of the stuff he learned in six months <laughs> so yeah it's picking the right guys being with the right guys and it's all yeah well, well and, ev and everybody can pick up the recording get your back into it alligator records nickmossband.com and also everybody should head out august 18th to fitzgerald's doors at 8 p.m yeah. Show about 9 p.m., I would assume. So Fitzgerald's nightclub.com for all the tickets. But make sure you get tickets because Nick always sells a ton of tickets everywhere he plays, especially in town here. So, Nick, we got to wrap it up, man. I could talk to you for like another five hours about a whole bunch of other questions I got, but I know we're, we're on a tight time schedule today. But I appreciate you jumping on today. Congratulations on the new recording. And I, I hope to see you in person sometime very soon. We had all those Bears games every week, and now we've got a team that might actually do something. I know. <laughs> I know. I'll find another spot for you guys. Don't worry. I'll find another spot. All right. All right, all right Mike. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Nick. And also, thanks, everybody, for watching. As I always say, all the information on blues is at bluesinchicago.com and Chicago Jazz for chicagojazz.com. And until next time, hopefully I will see somebody out on the scene.